What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. There are many different paths you can take, but there's only one road to Atlanta. The high drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Dansby Swanson. Player out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Albies going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzie Albies. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for it inside the Parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at Road the Number Two Atlanta. Now, hit the road with your hosts, Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. I am one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize from my work over on BatteryPower.com now, formerly of talking, formerly known as TalkingChop.com. I've been with the site since 2015, and we are going, this is going to be relevant because my co-host and I are going to be doing a little bit of a prospect list retrospective back to our early days making prospect lists with the site, and that pretty much spoils who my co-host is going to be, and he's very frequently my co-host on this podcast. You may follow him on Twitter at BravesMILB, my longtime colleague and friend, Garrett Spain. Garrett, how are you, my man? I am good. It's been a, uh, Pretty wild week for Atlanta sports. I know we were planning on doing this last week and it was funny because I was talking to Eric and we we're like, we're doing this tonight, you know, whatever. He's like, yep, we're good. I'm like, all right, we're good. We'll be ready to do this. And literally within two minutes of me saying we're good to go tonight, Jeff Passan tweets out, oh, the Braves are traded for adults. And we're like, well, guess we're not doing that anymore. So, uh, week late, but, uh, <laughs> here we are. Yeah, I believe the exact conversation that Garrett, this is, this was happening really in real, real time because Garrett messaged me because we, we've been really kind of enjoying this look back, uh, at, at, at the early years. The, the, the first list that Garrett and I did together was a lot of fun, but there was one list in particular, which is the one that we're discussing tonight, which is going to be the 2016 mid-season list, is that we were really looking forward to talking about it because it was like the first time that we were all kind of really together as a group, uh, with Grav and Matt around. And it was, he was like, you know, we're going to do this right, and this is the list we're going to be doing. Yeah, assuming nothing crazy happens. And, I mean, I, it is, Garrett's right. It was about two minutes that passing tweets that, you know, Matt Olson's going to the Braves, and I just sent a message to Garrett like, never mind. <laughs> that, that that ship has sailed. We're, the, the, the last week we obviously got co-opted a little bit for good reason. I had to host the emergency podcast to, to have that, you know, that Matt Olson was traded to the Braves uh, for four prospects, Christian Pache, Shea Langoliers, Ryan Cusick and Joey Estes, uh, blockbuster trade that reshaped the entire future of the Braves franchise, I think is fair to say. Uh, not only because, you know, get, obviously getting Matt Olson under contract for the next eight years locks down kind of like your, one of your premier parts of your lineup for a long, long time, but it also 
alters the landscape of what the Braves will be doing at multiple positions coming out of the minor leagues, what what positions they may need to prioritize in future drafts or IFA signings, because a lo- a, at least two of the guys that were pretty close to being major league ready, and the other two were pitchers that we liked uh, kind of to varying degrees, and you know, you'll get differing opinions from our staff on them. So, Garrett, I... I just want to kind of throw it to you. We're talking about four names, and one of which has been with us for a long time in Christian Pache. We mentioned last week that we have had exactly one list without Christian Pache on it, and we will not have another list with him on it. And, you know, it's not because he's it's graduating eligibility. He's not going to be in the organization anymore. Uh, but the Braves lost some real talent last week in that, in that trade. Uh, obviously had to give good players to get a great player back. So talk to us a little bit about the prospects that the Braves lost, kind of what your thoughts were about the trade, you know, initial reactions, all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think that we've kind of, you know, we've there's been a lot of talk about, you know, got the Braves having a lot of prospects at the upper levels, and when is Anthopolis going to finally make that move and move guys out? Because he's never really moved a top-level prospect while being, you know, a general manager of the Braves. And so it was kind of like, when it happened, it was kind of like, oh, like, we're actually doing this. Like, he's actually doing this. And it was a surprise. You know, I, I think the one that, like, I think the one that stuck out to me first was, like, I really did not expect them to move Shea Langoliers. I really figured that they wanted to hold on to him. And it was a surprise to get it. And it's a lot of talent. I mean, ultimately, the Braves gave up four guys that, you know, we all think are major league players. Um I guess in some ways it's fortunate, you know, all the players are kind of coming from positions where the Braves have some depth, um, you know, in outfield, you know, Pache is the one that, you know, in the near future makes the biggest impact because, you know, that's kind of a guy that you penciled in as the center fielder for the team or could have been the center fielder for the team. Now he's gone. Um, I think that's a good, you know, I think ultimately the Braves, I don't think it was a win for the Braves. I think it, I don't think it was a loss for the Braves. I think the Braves came out fairly even in the deal. The athletics got better for their future, and that was good for them. So I think it was a deal that worked really well for both sides. Um, Pache, I think it works well for because he doesn't have the pressure of having to go to the major league level and compete now. He can go to the major leagues, struggle for a year, struggle for a couple of years, and figure it out at the major league level, and that's good for him not having to bounce back and forth between AAA and the major leagues every time he struggles. He has the freedom to kind of go up there and fail and learn at that level. Um, Langoliers is, I mean, that's a huge loss. Fortunately, the Rays do have William Contreras. It seems like they're fairly confident in him. Um, but, you know, that's a premier defender that the Rays are losing behind the plate, and they've got to have, you know, and a guy that they were – seemed like they were counting on for the future that that's not going to be in the organization anymore. And the athletics got a really good defensive player, a guy that we think can be a decent offensive player. I don't think that any of us were particularly on the idea that he was going to hit at the level to make him, you know, a superstar behind the plate. I think that we thought he's going to be a solid, you know, above average, you know, well above average type backstop with the defensive focus. But ultimately that's a really valuable player. And we think, and I think that the athletics are going to get a guy if that for, you know, starting maybe next year is going to be a great catcher for them for five, six years. Um, Cusick, I probably the low person in the entire group on Cusick are fairly low to it. I don't necessarily know if I see him as a starter. I had him below Joey Estes on our top 30 list. I think the 
group as a whole had him below Estes. Um, I see him more as a reliever. There's a lot of reliever risk there with the command issues, the lack of a third pitch. Though he is, he did add a curve, a slider that he's been working on, and we've seen that, and we see flashes of that. Um, he's a very high ceiling talent, a guy that the Braves really liked. Um, a guy that I think the Braves again could deal to get rid of. I see him more as a late inning reliever type, which is not an insult. I mean, a guy that can pitch in the eighth and ninth inning is a really, really good pitcher. It's just, I don't know if that profile is going to hold up as a starter. It's just hard to say. Um, Estes is a guy that, I mean, we've loved Estes. I mean, he's a talented guy. He's a great competitor. He seems like a good person. We, we really liked Estes. We had a lot of hope for his future. He was kind of the guy at the lower levels that we were looking at making that next step this next year and kind of, solidifying himself as one of the top prospects in the system. Now he goes to the athletics. And I think that that's, I mean, the athletics got a really good player, a player that we liked a lot. Um, again, a player that the Braves, because he's so far away, the Braves can kind of afford to part with him, but it hurts that lower level depth and that he was kind of, you know, the guy down there f- for all of last year. And, you know, it, it's tough to lose these guys, especially a guy like Pache that we've had in the system for, you know, six years. I mean, this is a guy that we've seen come up through the system and it's kind of emotionally, it's hard to kind of lose these guys that we kind of, um, watched and we're excited about their futures and we want to see them succeed. And of course we want to still see them succeed with the athletics and it's hard to lose those guys, but I am excited. I think that the Braves getting Olsen was the right decision with the talks between Freeman and the Braves breaking down. They had no other choice but to go out and get a first baseman and that was the best option and I think the guys that they moved it is a lot of talent but it's fortunately guys that I think that the Braves can live without long term yeah it's an interesting group right because you have two guys who I think are fair to say they're kind of on the come up in Langoliers and Estes specifically um in that I think that obviously Estes had risen his stock quite a bit uh he as a starting pitching prospect it's still a prep arm he still dealt with some injury stuff, so there's like, you know, that's a bit of a lottery ticket, but he was an impressive lottery ticket down there at Loe Augusta this past year. And then you have Langoliers, who I think in both the Braves and the Athletics minds is the, the, the key part of the trade. In that, you know, one, that there's like a positional scarcity of guys who can defend and control the running game the way he can. He's a good game manager. He's getting better and better each time. He gets out there. He works really hard at it. Uh, I still had some questions about his hit tool, but the, the, the raw power was real, and there's real upside with his bat. I think he's going to be a good major league catcher, uh, and that's hard to come by. Then you have two guys who I think, in some respects, their stocks were far less certain. You have Christian Pache, who a lot of people certainly had their doubts about the hit tool, and those those fears are, are founded, to be frank. You know, he is long on tools, just... Pure world-class athleticism, but it wasn't translating, you know, he's incredibly fast, but that wasn't translating to necessarily a lot of stolen bases, maybe some extra, but it was certainly helping out in the outfield where he's a world-class defender, but, you know, he was maybe take some extra bases here and there, but it wasn't, you know, really quick twitch straight line speed that kind of you would think for a guy that could be that fast. He's a bigger guy than people give credit for, so it's long strides, so... How is that going to play? The hit tool was obviously a lot of ground balls, wasn't getting the line drives consistently, looked better in the second half last year, 
And we had a lot of high hopes for him, uh, so much so that we put him at the number one spot of the prospect list. I personally didn't have him there. I had him at number three behind Langoliers uh, with Michael Harris at the top. But at the same time, I get it. You know what I mean? I the, the, if if pa, it doesn't Pache doesn't doesn't have to figure out that much at the plate to be a really really valuable player. Uh, he he's incredibly strong, fast. He's going to be worth a lot of just value just as a defender in center field. He's a, a surefire center fielder with that arm and you know his ability to round routes and make plays out there. You know he doesn't have to hit 290 with 30 home runs to be a, a good major league baseball player. So I'm hopeful that the change of scenery helps him. But I do think that in the eyes of the Braves, that his stock had come down a little bit, particularly with the emergence of Michael Harris, because. They're only going to have so many spots on their roster down the line. I think that he's that Harris has really kind of come on as a guy that the Braves really like, that they want to get up through the system relatively quickly. Far less certain, far less questions about his hit tool, just overall what he can do on the field. So, and then there's Cusick, who I am personally of the belief, and I I don't have anything to back this up other than kind of how this draft went, is that and. Garrett, I'll let you kind of chime in on here, is that the way the first round went down is I think the Braves had a few guys that they were interested in. And I think that st- several of those players were taken right before they picked. Uh, I think, like, Jordan Wicks was in the mix. Um, the the pitcher from East Carolina, like, who's, I think he got picked, like, one before one pick before the Braves in the first round. was I think it was East Carolina. Um, was another Gavin, guy. Gavin Williams. Yeah, that's a live arm that if he had been didn't have any health concerns, he would have probably gone significantly higher. Uh, the kid from Irvine, the UC Irvine that went uh, several picks earlier, I think it was another name that the, the Braves liked. And I think that just the guys that they were interested in just weren't available to them when they picked in the first round. And as a result, they had to kind of make a decision as to kind of who of who was left. And they seem to be, with these first-round picks, really privileging these college players, particularly college arms. I don't I don't know if they were ever really in love with the Cusick pick. I just don't think so. Um, I like Cusick in the sense that, you know, the upside's huge there. Uh, any, guy, any guy who's a, has a chance of sticking as a starter who also has a triple-digit fastball, that's a, that's a really interesting player. But there was real reliever risk with him between command issues, whether or not the third pitch was going to be good enough. Um I think you're, I think I'm right there with you that he is a guy who could be a really good reliever down the road, and that's absolutely not a knock. I do kind of wish, and it's happening more and more, I think, is that guy, their teams are taking guys who have reliever risk, and they're just not upset if they just end up being relievers, because the way the game is going is that having a really strong reliever, relief core, and spoiler alert, the Braves relief core is absolutely insane now, but we'll leave that for kind of the major league podcast, uh, uh, for you guys to listen to for that stuff. But, you know, having a really good bullpen has a lot of value to it. And so, you know, for the athletics, maybe they think the same thing that, you know, if he ends up being a starter, he could be a frontline guy. But if he's not, they're not going to be upset with having, you know, a guy who can be a, a, a high leverage reliever and a really, really good one. The, the thing that kind of struck me the most, and it, you have already kind of mentioned it, is that we have not seen Alex Anthopoulos make a move using a top 10 prospect as long as he's been a general manager of the Braves. Um, I know some sites had Alex Jackson as a top 10 prospect in the Braves system. Uh, I am firmly of the opinion that those people were crazy, and I seem to be correct in that assumption. But 
there's also like the other than that, the highest ranked prospect that he had ever traded was Joey Wentz and who was, you know, a top 12 guy. He was kind of a fringe top 10 guy, uh, depending on who you talk to. And they traded from our list again, just from our list of the top 13 prospects, they traded four of them. And that's a lot of talent to lose. <laughs> a lot of talent. And uh, we're expecting some of the, you know, it's very possible that one or more of these guys will graduate from the list this year, even after those four guys leave. This is a, in terms of overall talent in the minor leagues, this is a lot of talent to lose. And they're, again, they're, we're talking about good players here. The guys that we like. They, that, this isn't like the Braves, you know, put one over on the athletics, but I do think that the names were involved. I think the Braves, the reason why they were able to make this deal is because of what you said, is that they have specific depth at the positions that they're talking about. And some of the guys who maybe have more name rec- have a lot of name recognition may not have stocks as high as like where they were picked in a draft or, you know, where they were ranked on either our list or other lists. Uh, with the Braves, and I think that they felt okay with paying that price to get Matt Olson, and you know it works out in the long run. There's an entire debate to be had about how those you know negotiations and all that went, but I think that the Braves had talked to Oakland before the lockout, had a kind of a general framework. I imagine that Pache and Langoliers were kind of like the we if they were talking to Oakland before the lockout and said if we could center a deal around these two guys, adding a couple other players, would that something to be interested in? And Oakland said yes, and then the lockout happens. We sit here and just are unable to talk about much of anything for three months or however long it was, and then everything comes back and they have to make a decision relatively quickly and they pull the trigger on what I think is a fair deal because Olsen's a great, great player. You don't get guys with two years of team control without giving up real prospects, and the Braves did it. And, you know, it stinks for us because, again, it makes certain levels of the minor leagues or, you know, at least uh, – it certainly makes it a little harder to follow along. We have to discover some new names along the way, but at the same time, you know, these are the moves you kind of have to make. With that in mind, Garrett, now that we are down those four players and spring training has started, Matt Olson has suited up for the Braves, but we've also been seeing some minor leaguers in action as they kind of ease the major leaguers into the, the spring training, you know, they're not lined up. If you're not, you're not seeing what they're going to be running out there in the postseason, the, the lineups. A lot of minor leaguers coming from camp, not just the non-roster invitees, but also just guys from minor league camp just to kind of fill in the voids here and there. Getting, as the major leaguers get a couple of bats, put more guys in there. So talk to me about the guys in camp right now that you've seen in spring and who've looked good and who've struggled a little bit, even though obviously we're only a, like a handful of games in the spring, so those stats don't really matter. Yeah, well, I mean, the first person I mentioned doing well is Michael Harris. You know, this is the third straight spring that we go into camp and half the stuff we hear is about how good Michael Harris is. And he's done really, really well for himself. You know, each year you've watched him at the, at spring training, he's looked more and more comfortable. He's looked more and more, you know, you can tell the progress that he's making. He's looked really, really good. Bryce Elder had a fantastic first start. Um, Kyle Muller had a good start. Um, Tucker Davidson had a really good inning today and then had a second inning that, you know, had some bad at ball luck and wasn't quite as good, but he ended up striking out four guys in two innings. Uh, so he looked really good. Uh, Bon Grissom has looked good. Uh, Grissom's, you know, Grissom, both Grissom and, um, Harris have put on some weight this year and good weight too. And they look stronger and Grissom's hit some hard balls. 
so far. He's had a couple strikeouts, you know, in a few at bats, but you know, his first game he had a couple strikeouts, and then after that he's hit really, really well. Uh, made an error today, so not 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 ideal, but not the way you want to put yourself out there in front of the the big league club. But you know, that type of stuff happens. Um, struggles wise, uh, I mean, Drew Waters had a couple good games. Uh, hit a long home run apparently in his first game. We didn't get to see it on video, but he hit it a long uh, way. I, and... I, 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 I saw a video. It was a tank. Oh, yeah. He, he, was... he hit one a long way. Unfortunately, uh, he was scratched from lineup a couple of days ago with an, with a tight hamstring, which is the second straight spring that he's kind of had a injury, you know, a soft tissue injury kind of throw a wrench in things. And that kind of, that's kind of disappointing for him because, you know, we had some questions about, how healthy he was all year last season. And it would be really nice for him to get off to a good start and like come into the season healthy, ready to go, ready to hit. Uh, Cause you know, again, center field long-term, you know, they want Harris to be the guy, but center field long-term is fairly open. And if he comes in and has a good season, he could earn an outfield spot for himself in the future. And so it, it would be nice to see, you know, him hitting that, you know, he's had three really good at bats. You hit a long home run, and then he's had a couple of bats where he's looked really, really bad. So you know, that's kind of the Drew Waters experience right now. Is is that? Um, yep, that's that. That is pretty much the experience. Yep. The, the there haven't been a ton of guys that have done terribly. Unfortunately, Braden Shoemaker has not looked all that good this spring. Again, small samples, but you know he hasn't. You know, we're still not seeing that consistent line drive stroke that we saw a lot in college. Uh, we. Really, really want to see that again. I mean, the defense has looked great from him. That's very, very important is that, you know, he's made a lot of progress defensively, but unfortunately we're still early on not seeing a ton of, you know, he's hitting the, he, he hit a couple fly balls pretty hard, but hasn't really hit too terribly well. Um, Trey Harris hasn't, you know, Trey Harris has got a little bit of action and hasn't really done anything. Uh, it's just uh, Justin Dean's made a couple great defensive plays. Hasn't looked very good with the bat, you know. So overall, kind of those fringy guys that we already had questions about hitting-wise kind of haven't done that well. But overall, I mean, a lot of, you know, the top guys have looked really, really well this spring. Really, really good this spring, and that's a nice sign going forward. Yeah, and it's important to note too. I mean, we're talking about what the Brit, they're four games in now because they have, they're two one and one with the tie with the Rays that they had the other day. Um, you know, I mean, Freddie Tarnock had pitched a decent inning today. He was immediately sent to minor league camp. Bryce Elder had back to minor league, uh, to minor league camp. Bryce Elder had a, a decent, a, a really good outing and then got straight back, straight back to minor league camp. And we got a lot, I got a lot of questions anyway about, you know, like why are the Braves sending these guys back down to minor league camp if they're playing well? And the reason is, is because this is a shortened spring training that we're dealing with. And normally they would let these guys maybe make a couple of appearances before sending them back to minor league camp. If they had no intention of sending, you know, of ha- having him with the, the major league club. Now, me personally, I would have given Bryce Elder a longer look if you're looking for, for uh, a fourth and fifth starter. But I think maybe the Braves have some ideas as to kind of what they want to at least start the year with. And they don't want to necessarily be messing around with service time. And, you know, they want to give Bryce Elder a chance to, you know, get some time at AAA. But he was a guy that I thought had a chance to break camp with the team with a, with a, with a shortened, with a shortened spring training that became less likely, unfortunately. But, you know, we're seeing these guys like basically getting to make one appearance and then getting sent back down to minor league camp, eating up some spring training time so that 
we can get like all the relievers can get some innings in. And as they're stretching out these starters on the backfields, getting them kind of ready to be able to throw multiple innings leading up to the season. And that's going to be a real challenge, especially if they for somehow don't do expanded rosters to start the season. And I don't know how they even function with it. They, they, the major leagues are even going to function without expanded rosters this year. I think that they need to have a couple extra roster spots for some pitchers just because with the shortened timetable, I think that it's going to take some these starters some time to stretch out further, and there's just we're going to see some more relievers early in games, early in the season. And you know, it. I guess the short answer to what I'm trying to say is that don't take too much from what you're seeing early in spring. Like the decisions have made, like who stays in camp and who goes. I think that they're just trying to have they're making decisions a lot quicker than they normally would, just because of the truncated timetable. I'm not looking too much at you know. I'm, I'm looking make everyone stay healthy. Uh, I'm not worried too much about what stats are. Get some at bats. Just get workouts in. You know, for these young guys, hang around some of these older guys. Take something away from camp. Go back to minor league camp, and just work hard. And then go go into the season. If you see a guy that like a Michael Harris, for example, he's been playing well, but if he doesn't get a hit the rest of spring, that doesn't matter. It just doesn't. Because the the important thing is just kind of to get some work in, and then once he kind of gets into the minor league season. And is going up against guys who are really trying to compete against him as opposed to just guys who are trying to work on certain things over and over again just to kind of get their reps in. It's just an entire, it really is an entirely different game in a lot of ways. With that said, we, I think we've covered uh, what we need to cover in terms of the news side, Garrett. I so forgot, after, I forgot one, one name real quick that we need to mention. Victor Vodnik's first outing, two innings, two perfect innings, five strikeouts. Struck out the last five guys he faced. Fantastic. He had a rough season last year, and it's we want to see him get off to a good start. You know, he had injury issues last season, and that's a really good start for him. Yeah, so that, he he's had two seasons now where there's been injury stuff with him, and color me skeptical. I love the arm. I do. I am less in love with the the frame and the ability to stay healthy. So we'll see if that happens. That's a guy that could that the Braves keep trying to run him out there as a starter, but. It may it may just be the case that he ends up being a reliever, and again, that's another guy with a high octane arm that could really let things loose. But for now, I just need to see him actually stay on the mound and stay healthy. And last year, unfortunately, that didn't really happen. But he looked really good the other day, so it's a good name to remember. I had forgotten that he had pitched that well. He looked pretty good in the first inning, and then he pitched, and then the second one, he just mowed everyone down. So with that said, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Garrett and I are going to do a little bit of reminiscing on the 2016 midseason prospect list that we wrote um, we'll just call it many, many years ago. <laughs> and, but before that, we're going to listen to a word from our sponsors. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Garrett, it's time to get in the Wayback Machine. <laughs> when you sent this to me, because we, we were, you know, getting this ahead of, we were getting this set up, and... It's wild to me looking at this list. And again, if you want to follow along, you just look up the, the, our prospect list from mid-season 2016 here. 
we made some really good bets on some guys. Uh, we were particularly high on one name in particular uh, that I, we have been jumping up and down about for a long time and we're proven right about. And then the thing that strikes me is just that it doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but when I look at it now, of those top, we, we only did top 25 lists back then, and 14 of these guys are not with the Braves anymore. And it's kind of a, a, a real stark reminder that minor league baseball is cruel. Baseball is very hard. Uh, things change very quickly. And guys that you really thought were going to have play an important role on the team for a long time uh, did not do that uh, for a number of reasons, uh, depending on the different players. And we certainly have a litany of <laughs> different reasons on this list. Uh, this was another prospect list where we had uh, Ozzie Albies number one overall. Uh, number two, this was after the uh, trade with Arizona where the Braves acquired Danby Swanson, and we slotted him in at number two. It was very close in the voting. Uh, the only difference, oddly enough, was Garrett putting Dansby Swanson at number three because it was it basically two votes for it been two votes for Ozzy and two votes for and then two votes for Swanson at one. But Garrett was one of the Ozzy guys. He put Dansby Swanson at third, and who did Garrett have at number two? One Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, this is the guy that we fell in love with that season. Uh, Garrett Garav and I went to Rome for the first series at home. And the sound of the ball coming off Acuna's bat made us fall in love with him right away. Right away. We had him at preseason. We, we had heard some good things about him. But we had him at, like, the bottom of our list. He was around, but he was at the bottom of our list. And then we just saw – we were just watching batting practice. I mean, it got everyone's attention. Like, we were talking, kind of getting to know each other because we didn't really see each other in person all that much. And then as soon as that sound started happening in batting practice, we all whipped around and we're just watching balls go all over the yard. And then we watched him in a couple games, and he's running like his hair's on fire. The ball's sh- cracked off his bat. We loved his hands, his, the way his wrists, like the bat speed. We loved all of it, and we were in love with him. And Garrett went in on loving Ronald Acuna Jr., even though they, at this point, if memory serves, had he been hurt yet when he hurt his thumb? I think he was. He hurt. he hurt his thumb like a month into the season. I think he only yeah, played it was, yeah, three yeah. games. Yeah. He broke he broke could've... his thumb or something or sprained yeah, he, it or something, and then no, he well, no, he was in a cast and he he was slid in the second, uh, mm-hmm. and it was a play yep. there. Um, but we were in, we were in love with him. Uh, and Garrett put him at two, and that was the difference in the 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 one two at the top. Uh, I was one of the Swanson apologists. I'll go ahead and say that now. Uh, but uh, at number two, we had Densby Swanson. Number three, my Canadian son, Mike Soroka, uh, who I feel like was I – that was a weird that, – that was a year where that, that four through seven tier, there's a lot of different names. Um, and it was just more consistency for Soroka that year. Then we had Sean Newcomb, number four. Uh, mistakes were made. Number five, the first name that is no longer with the organization is Kevin Maiton. Uh, this was right after the J2 signing period. We were, I think we actually made an exception. It's possible that we wrote this list, and I don't remember the date with this posted, but we, it was just well known that he was going to sign with the team and we wanted to put him on the list. Uh, obviously, Maiton was the top international signee. He was one of the top international prospects in a number of years out of Venezuela back then. He was supposed to be the next big thing. He was going to play third base for the Braves and mash 
and be a part of the future. And unfortunately, during the scandal that not only cost John Capuello his job and but got him banned for life, but it also cost the Braves a bunch of international prospects, including, including Kevin. Now, fortunately for the Braves, all those international prospects that end up being taken away from the Braves, they haven't panned out into anything. Uh, some guys are still hanging around, to be sure, and there's guys that we liked a lot from that group. But Kevin was the one that was, you know, that was Matt's guy too. He loved him. Uh, he, he thought he was going to be the next, the next big thing. And unfortunately, you know, he, the, his contract was terminated by the league. He ended up going to the Angels and that was pretty much the end of that. He hasn't made it to the, hasn't really done much. I don't think he, is he, I'm not even sure he's playing organized baseball anymore. I haven't really had a chance to look, look up him in a while. But then at number six, with again, Garrett, Bringing up the rankings, but when he put him at two, and we all had him uh, top five or top, he was all he was pretty high on everyone. I think the lowest we had was oddly enough me uh, putting him at eight uh, was Ronald Acuna Jr. at six. We were the highest on him by a wide margin back then. Uh, most people were willing to put him maybe in the teens, early twenties, but he had, didn't have a big track record. He was hurt. A lot of people weren't even put I, – again, I'm going a little bit on memory, but I don't think he was even on that many top 25 lists at all back then, and we put him at number six. Obviously, that turned out pretty well. Once he came back and joined Rome for that championship run and then the work he did in the Australian Baseball League, everything we had heard was just raving. Anytime he was on the field, scouts would you know like would sit forward and they would really want to like watch what this guy was doing. And we put him pretty quickly at the number one spot on our list. He was just he was just that good, uh, and it spoke to us. We watched very very closely what he did. Uh, pretty much the, the this pick and then the next list where we put him even higher uh, were like the two picks that kind of the ones that I think we're the most proud of is just really getting on Ronald Acuna Jr. early. Uh, coming in at number seven, we have Colby Allard, who is now with the Rangers, who has since been traded away, uh, former first round pick. Unfortunately, some injury stuff and just the velocity backing up. Didn't really pan out for the lefty, but he's still sticking around there in the major leagues uh, for a Rangers team. I'm not sure exactly how much time he's going to be spending in the major leagues, but I do love Colby as a, as a human being, and I hope he does well. Uh, Max Freed, uh, World Series champion and hero, uh, coming in at number eight. Ian Anderson, uh, this was his draft year. where We did put him in our top ten at number nine. At number ten, Tuki Toussaint. Uh, this was back when he was a – Starting pitching prospects. So of the kind of from that top ten, Garrett, I'm going to go ahead and just cue you up here. Uh, what are some of the kind of the names that kind of stick out to you and stories and thoughts from that group? Yeah, so I want to explain somewhat the Acuna ranking because that was, I mean, me putting him at two was uh, maybe a little too aggressive. It ended up working out, but you know, this was kind of a month-ish, two months-ish after I had actually seen Swanson. I was the only one because, you know, playing out in Mississippi, they rarely come by us, you know. It, it, and so Swanson, I was really yeah. the only one of us that had kind of seen Swanson in person. And I like Swanson. And it's, I mean, obviously he turned out to be a fine. I mean, he's, he, I like Swanson, but I saw him more of kind of a high floor, above average type player, which is kind of what he ended up being versus, you know, there was a lot of the, idea of he would be a superstar and that never happened uh, unfortunately you know he never progressed that much offensively to get to that point um I was probably a little too low on him because I did not I had Albies playing shortstop and him 
switching to second base. So I might have been a little bit too low on him, but you know, I kind hey, of ended, hey Brad I, Brad would be happy with that switch, that's for sure. I, I I ended up betting on Acuna's potential long term, and it ended up working out. Um, you know, the my ton one is one that like I think that we all kind of learned a lesson there. Like, yeah, don't get yeah. too aggressive too early. And you know, by the time I mean, even you know, I mean, it was that winter that my ton, or was it the next winter? It was that winter that my ton got taken away from the Braves, and you know, there was. Even by then, there were already talks, you know, among scouts of like, this guy's not as good as he was advertised. You know, he had put on a lot of bad weight and there were issues there. And so we got it, or it wasn't that, it was the next winter. It was after his professional debut. So it was a year later, but it was after his professional debut that, you know, was that conversation of he put on a lot of bad weight and, you know, he peaked early and we just got too, we got a little too aggressive before we saw him. And I think you see a lot of that now with my ton where we don't rank international guys all that high. We don't rank draftees aggressively high unless we have until we see them debut. And so this was kind of the first, the big example of like, you know, why we do that. We can point back to this list and say, yeah, well, we made a big mistake here with this guy and not actually getting eyes on him before we made a decision with him. And I, I don't think that it was necessarily a terrible decision. I mean, he was hyped up that much. It's just, it didn't work out. Um, you know, Freed at this time, Freed at this time, you know, we all liked Freed from what we had seen, but he was still coming back off of the elbow. Uh, he was still kind of recovering and he had a bad first half that year. And then it was the second half of that year that he was like, it was him and Soroka were the two best pitchers in the South Atlantic League. Like yeah, they mowing were people absurd down. Yeah. The, that second half of the season. And so you, I think after this season, you took, you saw him take an immediate jump up because he was ridiculous the second half of that season. Um, you know, the, the rest of the guys, I mean, I think overall, you know, Newcomb was just a matter of, you know, kind of like, uh, kind of like Swanson, but to a more extreme degree where he just never progressed. And, you know, that happens with especially pitchers more so than it does hitters. You know, guys sometimes just don't progress. Tukey is the same way where we expected the – with Tukey, we expected the athleticism to help him, and it just never worked out. He's – the stuff is still there to this day. Tukey is, still has the stuff to be a very good starting pitcher at major league level. It's just – he hasn't gotten consistent enough, and Newcomb was the same way, where he never got consistent enough to uh, to uh, kind of take that next step. And I don't think that you know the Newcomb the Newcomb ranking was not a bad ranking; it was just an unfortunate ranking that it just didn't work out. I mean, but I think having a top three of, at that time, having a top three of Albi Swanson, Soroka, and then having Acuna at six, I mean, that was having Albi's over Swanson was bold. Um, have and really, it was like. I mean, when we had, when we say we had Albies over Swanson, like you said, it was like really Albies and Swanson were at the same level and it just was a matter of personal preference there. Um, but having, the, I mean, that top three and Acuna, I mean, that's a lot of really good outcomes there. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of what we did at the top of the list. Unfortunately, my ton didn't quite work out, you know, like we wanted to, but I really think, I mean, I think we did a really, really good job. And I think if you look at it long term and kind of look at the guys below it, I mean, we did a really good job. We got it right for the most part, other than, you know, Maiton and Newcomb. Newcomb, I really don't know that we necessarily got it wrong. Maiton, we 
definitely got it wrong, but I don't think that, you know, with Newcomb, like I said, it was kind of based on where he was at the time. I think, you know, we made the right decision and just doesn't always work out. Well, I also think it's a lesson in being willing to be fluid with your picks in the future, right? Like this was not long after Newcomb was traded to the Braves that we was put at number four. Uh, my time was a very recent addition and we just everything that the, the early scouting on him, you know, people didn't think people thought he might put on some weight. People didn't realize it was going to be that much bad weight and everything that kind of went south went really, really south with him. But we didn't stay wedded to these rankings necessarily. You know what I mean? If like Acuna just never came back or was not, didn't do anything the rest of the year, I think we would have probably bounced him like all the way back down to where we had him at preseason. I think that, uh, and we moved Maiton down and, you know, we definitely moved Nukem down multiple times. You know, it's, you know, you want to believe in the stuff, but it's just over time, it's just, you know, his, what happens to him when there's runners on base and just kind of what command issues he had, he was steadily moved down and, we're willing to change our minds pretty quickly, right? Um, in the case of Tukey, you know, we wanted to believe in the stuff. You know, he, this was still not that really that not that long after you know it's a, this it's a you know like a year, year removed of him joining the organization and he was still young and you know you never really know what a guy's going to do uh, year to year and you still want to believe in the stuff as a starter, but he's a guy that you know we adjusted our opinions on over time. It's just that he was just not figuring it out. And, you know, he stopped being a top five, top ten guy, and he you know, ended up being kind of more of a, a fringy type guy. But then we kind of get into guys who are – a lot of them aren't around anymore, uh, particularly in the, the next ten, uh, with one very notable exception. Uh, number 11, we had Joey Wentz, who is now with the Tigers uh, and recovering – I still think recovering from Tommy John surgery. Uh, Rio Ruiz, uh, big lefty, uh, a guy that I think we – Wish we had given him more credit to, but you know, at the end of the day, he was kind of a, a fringy sort of major league. He's, he's seen time with the Orioles. He's still he's still around, you know, here and there. Uh, Dustin Peterson, who Sean Coleman was in love with and kept making fun of us for not ranking higher, and we were absolutely right about him. Uh, he also was traded to the Tigers, MVP candidate, and pretty much the lock for the third base for the foreseeable future. Uh, Austin Riley. This is a uh, very early on. He had a big. Uh, it was a big second half in this year uh, at Rome. The first half for Austin Riley, he was he had hit for power when he was in uh, the GCL in Danville the year before. He hit pretty well the first half. But if you want to take a moment to pause this podcast and go look at what Austin Riley did in the second half at, for Rome this season in 2016, he w- put on a clinic, and he was just hitting absolute tanks. He carried Rome into the playoffs and was one of the best players in low A that year by a, a significant margin. Uh, after that, you have Max Posey, who was dealt to the Mariners, I believe. Uh, Lucas Sims, who ended up with the Reds. Tyrell Jenkins, who ended up, uh, did make it to the major leagues, was not very, very, very long, uh, and ultimately is out of baseball. Patrick Weigel, who has bounced around since leaving. He was traded to the Brewers and he's, he got a spring invite somewhere. I can't remember exactly what the organization and then at 19, we have Christian Pache, who uh, makes uh, one of his many appearances on our list. This is when he was a, ver- a, a very new uh, international free agent signing. And then at 20 was one of the, uh, the the final part of the the Braves strategy in the draft that year, where they were able to sign Ian Anderson to an underslot deal, 
then get Joey Wentz, who end up being the worst of the three, and then you have Kyle Muller, who's competing to her for a rotation spot right now. Um, that 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 group had a, was a lot less fruitful. Although I have to admit, uh, getting Austin Riley out of that group when you get when you have your what 14th best prospect turn out to be you know a guy who looks like he could be an all star and you know tank 30, 40 home runs a year, you seem like you're doing pretty well. What do you uh, what do you think about that group before we kind of get to the last five here? Yeah, so Austin Riley, I was ridiculously low on on this list. Uh, I overreacted to the first half. You know, a bad first half. He had a really put put put, 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 him, put him at twenty three. Yeah, I overreacted, to him. and it's funny because I was high on him early. Then I overreacted to him low, and then immediately brought him back up after the second half, and didn't really drop him after that. And so that one was one that was kind of a lesson, and maybe don't go too far with the with the early performances from these prep guys at A-ball, like, you know, have a little bit of patience with guys. So that was kind of a, I think overall, I mean, it's kind of Wentz, I mean, still has potential, you know, he had Tommy John. So he's kind of still, you know, Wentz's problems ultimately became, you know, he had some arm troubles in high school and then they kind of kept creeping back up. He kept having issues with the velocity going up and down. He kept having issues with getting injured and, you know, he's still struggling with that. And so that's kind of been, you know, I was really high on Wentz. I really liked Wentz. And unfortunately, you know, he just has not really been able to consistently stay healthy. And when he has been on the field, he's been very good. He's been very, very good when he's been on the field. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. He's with the Tigers now. Um, and I mean, he's still considered a top prospect. I mean, you know, the fact that Anderson and Muller got to the major leagues at a very young age is not, you know, a knock on Wentz. It's just unfortunately things that work out for him. You know, Muller at this time, Muller actually went down on our list after this year. Um, we had heard a lot out of him from camp after this period of, you know, his velocity was really low, like mid to upper 80s. You know, he was having issues with the mechanics yep. and all yep. of that. And then he kind of, you know, about a year later, you know, about a year after this, he started to kind of, they made the tweaks to his mechanics. He started work, working out with um, – we started working on his mechanics a lot more, and uh, he really took that step forward and kind of became a top prospect. You know, this is a lot of – I mean, these are a lot of guys that we kind of – you know, Weigel had a great season at Rome. Uh, this was kind of halfway through that great season. He ended up going to Mississippi and having a solid yep. end of the season. You know, he went a lot higher on this list at the end of the year. Uh Sims, you know, this was a year after we went way high on him. And then this was, this was, I believe this was the year that he started having his mechanical issues and started getting really having a lot of issues with the mechanics and his command really started to struggle. So this was when we kind of were forced to drop him. We really didn't want to because we still believe in the talent, but there's kind of at some point when a guy shows you what he is as a player, you have to kind of believe it. And unfortunately for Sims, he started having those issues with the command and he's really never gotten it back. So that kind of was an unfortunate situation there. I think, you know, overall looking at this list, even reacting to it now, you know, I think Ruiz, we kind of overestimated how much power he was going to grow into. We kind of expected that he would eventually start hitting, turning some of those doubles into home runs. It never happened. Uh, he never figured out how to hit lefties. Um, Riley, we, I think we were fine. I think that, I think the group was fine on Riley. 
uh, I was certainly way, way too low on him. Yeah. I yeah. certainly overreacted to it. That one was for all the good I did having a Kugia at two. I uh, undid all of it with having Riley at twenty three. Well, um, not all of it. I mean, like you know, like it's still we still we still put out Riley in a good spot, right? Uh, right. Um, but I, uh, you know, I think I think where Riley was was fine. I just think that you know, obviously I overreacted a little bit there. But um, I think you know, at this point we hadn't seen Pache play yet. So having him at 19 was still a pretty bold decision there because we hadn't seen him play. Having him – because a lot of people considered Cruz a better prospect than Pache at this time. And I think that from some of the things that we had heard from the organization and just our discussions around ourselves, having Pache – which we haven't talked about Darian Cruz yet. He is on this list. He's coming up in a little bit. He'll talk about it in a second. Darian, you know, Having Pache over Darian Cruz was at that point kind of a – pretty bold move not like super bold because you're talking about 16 year olds but we were one of a very few small group of people that actually went with that move and that ended up paying out long term we like darren cruz as a person unfortunately uh, the baseball career did not work out there yeah uh, we'll talk about these last five because these are actually all players that are not with the braves organization anymore at 21 uh was a, a return in a trade from the uh, angels as well chris ellis uh, who, as far as I'm aware, is not playing baseball anymore. Darian Cruz is definitely not playing baseball anymore. Ricardo Sanchez, who we wanted to believe in, it was a live arm, but it just didn't work out. Uh, just couldn't stay healthy. Uh, Braxton Davidson, uh, he, I don't think he's played another game since that walk-off home run that he hit in the AFL championship game. And then he broke his ankle, I believe. And that was the, it. that was, that was the end of his, that was the end of his minor league career which is kind of wild to think about. Uh, and then you have Rob Whalen rounding up the list at number 25 is another guy that the Braves had traded for uh, kind of during the copy era. Um, you know, again, D- Davidson was a guy who kind of haunted us for a while. Like every once in a while he'd go on a week where he'd hit four or five home runs. This guy, if we want to talk about a guy who just hit the ball hard when he hit it, this guy had some of the best exit velocities in the entire system. The problem was is that he also struck out like 35, 40% of the time. And, there were stretches where it was actually significantly higher than that. Uh, just didn't seem to know what pitches he did to turn on. Fr- frustrating to watch because a lot of deep counts just ended badly. Um, and I will say that one of the worst things I've seen as doing this job is what happened to Darian Cruz. He, he wasn't ready. We didn't think that either Pache or Darian Cruz were ready to go immediately into full season ball out of rookie ball. They had played okay, but they really could have done with extended spring or at least starting their career, like starting that season, uh, that the season they went to full season ball starting in, in rookie ball, maybe at Danville back then doing that first and just kind of getting their legs under them. But they put both at Rome and in Darian's case, he had one of those games where a lot of the really important people were at the game to watch, see how he was developing, and had probably one of the worst games with yips and nerves that you'll ever see. It was like four or five errors, uh, bad game at the plate. Just It was a nightmare for him. It was a nightmare for everyone involved. Uh, they realized that they had done something that, you know, very clearly it was one of those games that's almost like it can break a guy, and it felt like that's what happened uh, in Darian's case. He was just really just – he never got going again, ever. Um Went back down to rookie ball for a while, came back up, had another stint with the, with Rome, but has since, you know, left the game altogether. 
feel for the guy. Really t- kind of a talented guy. Just never really put on enough size. Never, the, the hit tool didn't really develop. Defense was really iffy at times. But in terms of just like raw physical talent, uh, it's pretty easy to see why the Braves gave him as much money as they did in IFA. But unfortunately, this is kind of how these things go when you get got kids this, this young. In the case of Pache, he grew up, got a lot bigger, a lot stronger, and continued to develop. But in Darian's case, it just didn't happen. Uh, and then, you know, that's still one of the, the saddest things for me is just as a genuinely good human being in Darian's case to see him, you know, not do well. Uh, Rob Whalen's a guy that kind of was a fringe prospect for us for a while. Uh, <laughs> I saw some lists ranking him criminally high, but, <laughs> uh, he's, uh, you know, it's, uh, he was kind of a, he, he was a decent pitching prospect. He pitched okay. Uh, ended up, uh, Moving on from the Braves, we dealt with some mental health issues, which, you know, hopefully he's doing much better with. Uh, last I heard, he was trying to get back into baseball. I don't know how successful he's been in doing that. But overall, you know, like that kind of rounds out our, you know, one of our early lists that has a lot of names that when we look back on, a lot of guys that when we were doing recaps back then, uh, makes us smile to talk about and think about when we were talking, uh, you know, actually, you know, talking about the list. And that doesn't include like some of the honorable mentions that, you know, ended up creeping on our list, like Lucas Herbert. Uh, Abraham Gutierrez was another guy that got taken away from the Braves that we liked a lot. Um, the, the Randy Ventura era, uh, I see that Garrett has it uh, highlighted on here. Uh, if those weren't around in the comments section of our recaps for a long time, we just start when in the Dominican Summer League, we just started keeping track of all the, the stolen bases this guy had. Uh, and he stole something like 60 bases or something down there in the Dominican Summer League, and it was hysterical to watch. He was really fast. Uh, didn't really pan out beyond that. End up end up being traded to the Reds, I believe, uh, in a minor trade. Uh, and you know, hasn't really done anything, obviously. But he was he was kind of a fun meme. Like you know, did did Randy Ventura steal a base today? The answer was almost always yes. Uh, for those last few names or the games names that maybe we just got left off, is there anyone that kind of stands out to you? Yeah. So Ellis and actually Tyrell Jenkins, kind of going back to it a little bit are kind of both, which I was low on Ellis. I think I was a little, I was about, I was right on with Jenkins with everybody else. They're kind of guys that you can look at and very, there are some times where numbers with a guy can kind of tell you a story. And with Ellis and Jenkins, they were both kind of fairly highly thought of prospects that never really learned to strike guys out. Like they couldn't miss bats. Ellis walked a lot of guys and kind of looking at, you can, with older players especially, if they're not striking guys out and they're walking a lot of guys, especially in the case of Ellis, you can kind of tell, even as good as the scouting is, maybe be a little bit lower on that guy. You don't want to read too much into numbers, but with a guy like Ellis, I never really liked Ellis all that much. You know, I, I don't know anything about him as a person. I'm not like saying I don't like him as a human being. I never liked him that much of a prospect. I was fairly low on him all the time. Um you know, Whalen, Whalen was one of the Kelly Johnson trades. Uh, I do remember that one out of him. Ah, uh, yes. It's all coming back to me now. Yeah. I, he, he was decent. He had solid stuff. He was part of the, he was part of one of the Mariners trades. And I can't remember which one it was. Um, I, it was not the Malik Smith trade. So it would have been Alex Jackson. So he was part of the Alex Jackson trade. I think with Posey, he and Posey were both the Alex Jackson trade. He was a decent prospect. Uh, we liked, Rob, um, unfortunately, you know, that one didn't work. Again, another guy that unfortunately didn't work out. Really, none of these guys at the bottom of the list worked out um, very well. But there's actually a lot of talent. There's a surprising amount of talent in the kind of guys that didn't get into the list. Um, 
Brett Cumberland was a second round pick who didn't really pan out all that well, but you know, we had a, some high hopes about his bat for a while. Juan Yepes had a really good season for the Cardinals AAA affiliate last year. He was in the, um, Matt Adams trade. He had a really good season, um, at AAA next year, and he's a guy that's going to get looks at the major league level fairly soon. Uh, I like Yepes a lot. This was, now this was during his rookie ball stint. After his A ball stint, I think we, after his time in Rome, I think we moved him up into the top 25. Um, at this time we didn't have him. I, th- he was I, think, still, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think he ended up moving uh, up. Um, but he was a guy that hit really well at the lower levels. He's a really good hitter. Still is a really good hitter. Uh, we have, there's still pretty good hopes. Uh, Ludis Baez unfortunately had a very, very bad knee injury. Uh, was a very athletic yeah. player, but he had yeah. a really horrible injury and in that unfortunately he was never quite, I mean, he never really played all that well before, but he was really never quite the same. Unfortunately, after that instance, Israel Wilson, this was right before he went like absolutely berserk in. Uh, the TCL and hit like 10 home runs in a month or something like that, or like 10 home runs over two months and jumped onto a bunch of top uh, 25 lists. So Israel Wilson was a guy that Izzy Wilson was a guy that we uh, ended up going way higher on our list after this. But, you know, there's a lot of, you know, it, it's funny looking at this compared to the 2015 list. And by the time you got to like 15 on the 2015 year list, you're like, Oh my God, we still have to keep talking. And now there's guys, you know, in the, 30s and beyond in here that were legitimate major league talents i mean i had you know aj mentor this was after mentor had been drafted you know um eric had him just out of his top 25 i had him in the 30s so i mean we you know both of the you know all the other three guys had him just outside of the top 25 if we had been doing 30 at the time aj mentor would have been on this list um i mean there's a lot of talent on this list and it's kind of crazy to see all the guys that it's kind of crazy to see the guys at that lower kind of area that ended up having, you know, decent minor league careers. Not all of them ended up working out, but you know, guys like AJ Minter, guys like Juan Yepes, you know, out of, you know, your thirties that are, you know, major league talents. Yeah. And there's definitely some guys that we end up liking a lot. Uh, one of them wasn't Jason Hirsch. Uh, <laughs> Luke Dykstra was another name that uh, some people seem to like a lot, but you know, was kind of swinging a toothpick up there. Junior Severino was a guy that we really did like a lot. Uh, after we got to see him down in the GCL, we moved him firmly into the rankings. Uh, thought he was going to be a big deal. And then again, he was another one of those international prospects that was taken, uh, you know, post scandal with copy and all that stuff. Uh, and you know, just like it's, it's fun to look at names that we, again, we were just big fan. Like I remember Matt Custard being a guy, kind of like a trendy pick for us, a guy that we liked better than we had any right to. Uh, Ray Patrick Ditter and his ability to get hit by pitches better than anyone I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Mauricio Cabrera is a guy that, uh, Braves fans will remember, you know, a flamethrower who didn't really know what was going. Uh, Connor Lean had a very memorable, uh, Carolina Mudcat season where he was quite good and you could do just about anything on a baseball field. And that ended pretty quickly after that, where he all of a sudden forgot, just lacked the ability to hit. And, you know, that made all the rest of the stuff kind of a moot point. Uh, Garrett, that, that pretty much rounds out our kind of retrospectives. Do you anything else you want to share before we let everyone go? I think I'm good. That sounds like a plan to me. This is a lot of fun. Uh, we're, we're really kind of enjoying these, these retrospectives. Uh, if you want to make sure you don't miss a single episode of Road to Atlanta, all you have to do is search Battery Power on whatever perf- your podcast purveyor you prefer. That's Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you use. Search Battery Power. You'll be able to find the feed. Not only will you get this podcast, so it's about myself and basically most of the time with Garrett, 
but you'll also get the flagship show hosted by the great Brad Rowland, occasionally and co-hosted occasionally by myself, occasionally by Scott Coleman, and you'll also get the Daily Hammer hosted by the great Sean Coleman, where uh, others of us make uh, cameo appearances here and there, depending on what the news of the day is. Uh, hopefully, we're going to get back to this kind of doing this weekly with the potential news for roster stuff. Uh, constantly a specter hanging over us as we lead into the season. The schedule may change a little bit. That's what had to happen last week with the Matt Olson trade. But my guess is we're going to kind of get back onto a regular uploading schedule now that we actually have minor league baseball to talk about. Uh, minor league season's right around the corner. Uh, we actually have to kind of get our minor league recap rotation locked down uh, in the next couple of days here so we know who's going to be writing up what and when. But, you know, I just want to take a moment to thank each and every one of you for all the support that you've been giving the podcast. Uh, it was a tough off season, obviously, with not a lot of things to talk about. You guys were really helping us all out by making sure you were downloading not just um, not just the episodes that we were able to upload, but also going back and downloading old episodes and things like that. That really helps keep the podcast, keeps the lights on, if you were. Uh, and now we're able to get uh, uploading a whole lot and producing a lot of content. You guys have been absolutely killing it by supporting it and making sure you're downloading it and listening to it. Tell your friends. Make sure you leave a five-star review. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Uh, absolutely free. doesn't cost you a thing. All you have to do is that it just gets put in your feed, and it'll get downloaded to whatever your device you prefer. Uh, it's just an absolutely – I think it's one of the best feeds out there for baseball. Thanks again so much. Thanks again to Garrett. Thanks again to Chris and Brad and everyone making these podcasts possible and you know keeping us in line to make sure we're doing what we're supposed to do. And until next time, we'll see you on the road. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.